Fierce Athlete Podcast. We are female athletes being raw and real about the joys and struggles of life, both on and off the field. We share how faith can both heal our wounds and reveal true beauty. Play fierce. Pray fierce. Live fierce. Welcome to the Fierce Athlete Podcast. This is Sam Kelly, and I am so pumped for our guest that we have with us today. Um, Carrie Gallagher is the current uh, cross-country and track and field coach at Manhattan College, Um, but she has a quite impressive uh, running career. She ran uh, at Fordham University and then went on to become a professional runner, which brought her to um, both worlds and the Olympic trials in the 1500. Um, and I was just looking up some of her personal record times. I might drop those later in the podcast, but <laughs> she's, she's pretty fast. Uh, but she is an incredible woman that I've had the privilege to get to know recently and just excited to have her. Carrie, welcome. Yeah, thank you. I'm really, really uh, happy to be here. And anytime I get to talk about track and field and sport and faith, I'm, uh, I'm a happy camper. So <laughs> thanks for having me. Well, it's pretty funny, Carrie. Um, I know you had mentioned, I think, three different people told you about me and about Fierce. And I think at least two people, two different people had told me about you. So the sports the sports world is definitely small, but when you add in the faith to it, it gets mm-hmm. uh, it gets even smaller. So <laughs> and it took us a few months, I think, to connect, but um, so happy that we, we have and uh, have become friends. And now, yeah, you get to share your wisdom with our listeners. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, Carrie, let's start off with let's just talk about um your you know, your sports background, your running career. I mean, were you always a runner and you know, what was the I guess the if well, this is a terrible pun, but it's the word that's in my mind, but what was the track that that took you to uh <laughs> to worlds and and to the biggest stage and then now to to coaching? Yeah, that's a great question. Um so I was I guess I was always a runner in some sense in that I was really only good at the other sports I played because I was fast. Uh, I didn't quite realize that because I was playing like CYO level. So, you know, it kind of worked out. But anyway, I, um, I started running my sophomore year of high school because I was, I was playing basketball, JV, my freshman year, and I wasn't getting much playing time. And um, so my mom has suggested I run cross country. And I didn't really know what cross country was, but she, um, she knew I was fast and she knew I didn't enjoy sitting on the bench. So I tried it out and um, I ended up loving it. My high school coach was a really, really great, um, and you know, he was just a great coach and that he took girls of any ability and any level and um, just kind of identified what that next step for them would be and then built it up like it was the Olympic trials. Like anyone who runs track, like um, he would start with like the three minute barrier for the 800, which is not very objectively fast. But he would create barriers for us to try to attain. And then every time we achieved it, there was another barrier. So um, he just basically set us all up to, to really just enjoy the sport and love the sport. So I ran three years in high school, um, went from, you know, pretty modest times to uh, maybe like conference level times. I made the state meet, but I wasn't by any means a state level, um, you know, top state athlete. But enough to get some um, interest from from Division One programs. And so... Um, I ended up uh, signing with Fordham University. I ran, um, you know, for Fordham for four years. It was a great fit for me. It was relatively close to home, but I was living away from home, so it was um, it was kind of a good transition. Modest beginnings. I was I went from basically not scoring individually 
uh, freshman year to slowly kind of progressing. I was fourth in the 800 my sophomore year, and then I was ended up winning the 800 junior year and winning multiple events my senior year, and I qualified for regional. So it was kind of a steady step up in college um, to the point where I felt like I was good. I had made an impact. Uh, I had accomplished some really good things in college, uh, but not really enough to kind of take a next step. I didn't even know what a next step really looked like. And so I took a job at Morgan Stanley. I was working full time for um, about a month before an opportunity to move down to DC and pursue, um, I mean, pursue a professional running career. I'm, I'm using that term very loosely because at that <laughs> time I didn't really know even what that meant. Uh, it was an Olympic year. So I guess my big goal was to make the Olympic trials. And by this time I had kind of moved up to the 1500. That was my primary event. Um, so I, so I ended up just I don't know. It felt right. It felt like a good move. It felt like I needed to to kind of see this see this out, and uh, and I'd always remembered the only real time I felt like I made an impact um, was through track. And so I didn't. Again, I don't know if I could have really formalized that thought too much, other than it felt like enough to quit my job and move um, to this to this new city and try something new. So I moved. Um, there's probably a lot more to fill into this story, but it was a big rude awakening. Um, you know, to chase an Olympic dream without knowing what the Olympic trials standard even is, <laughs> is a little unrealistic. <laughs> so there were a lot of growing pains. There was um, this like harsh realization that I was eight seconds away from the trial standard. And so to, to try to knock that off in a year would be really tough. And I, I spent that first entire year, um, basically, if I didn't run an eight second PR, I considered it a failure. And I just spent kind of an entire year operating under that um, umbrella, mm-hmm. which just isn't productive. I mean, it's not a, a very good way to approach the sport. And as a coach now, I, I, uh, it's kind of cool because I can see athletes doing it so I can identify it. But sure. Uh, anyway, but that kind of set me up to really year two was like, do I really want to do this? Should I move back home? Should I take that job back or find another job like it and have a little more security and stability? But um, I felt like I had made this move. I needed to see it through. And um, it was a bit of a steady progression from there. You know, I, I was able to uh, com- uh, qualify for the U.S. championships the following year, made a final there, um, same thing the next year, and then 2015 was kind of my breakout year, and that was where I finished third at the U.S. championship, um, qualified for the world championship team, represented the USA in, um, in China, and ran a bunch of PRs that summer. And so, um, yeah, like basically, I, you know, it was like, many, many year progression, um, in the 800 and the 1500 from very, very modest beginnings to this kind of top international level. Um, and, uh, yeah. So anyway, that was like a long winded way to tell my story. Wow. That is incredible. And, um, for those runners out there, I'm going to just drop some times here, not Carrie, that you are defined by your times. And that's actually something I would love to love to hit. Uh, maybe you can weave into the rest of our conversation. Um, but I mean, you're looking at a, a two hundred two six three in your eight hundred. Mm-hmm. I have her stats up on Wikipedia. Yeah, she has a Wikipedia page. <laughs> <laughs> um, a four hundred three fifty six in your fifteen hundred. Mm-hmm. Um, a four twenty six eighteen in your mile, and then yeah. um, you know some longer distances from there. So, you know, in a matter of I guess what is it three years, you, you know, you went from wait when did you graduate college? So, so I graduated in 2011. So it was okay. uh, four. It was like four or five years after that I hit that you really PR. hit your peers. Okay, so yeah. so break this down for me. So you, you know, you come out of college and you're you're a, a talented, decent runner. 
Um, but you know, nowhere. I mean, I don't know how much eight seconds takes to shave off, but it sounds like a pretty big feat, you know, and from there, I mean, you, you probably shaved off even more. What did that look like? I mean, you, obviously there's some level of progression here over a four year time. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. What did that look like? And how did you just have the, the courage, the stamina, even the faith to, to keep running and, and pursue, you know, pursue your dream? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. So, I mean, a little bit of it, I think it was good that I made the move to a new city because it was not easy to run away from the challenge. Um, if I had, I had an opportunity to train in New York, I'm from New York. Okay. Um, and so I had an opportunity to train in New York with a post-collegiate team. Um, but then I would have had kind of one foot in one foot out. It would have been, you know, I, I was already thinking, how can I keep my job and run for this club? And my family would all be like, I could have just run away so easily, but I was in a new city. So it was almost like I had to at least see out a year. Um, it would have been comfortable to stay in New York and, uh, and, and be close to home. But, but I needed to be in a, in a different place. So moving back to New York would have been, there's so much more of a barrier to being in a new city, to quitting, to giving up. You know, I really just, I had to see a year out at least, you know, so I was, um, at the end of the year, as I was kind of reflecting, does this make sense? Should I go back home? Um, I had, I didn't hit my goal. I didn't, the tough part too was nobody at home really understood the level I was trying to compete at. And like I said, Mm -hmm. I didn't either, Um, but they really didn't. So like there was an article in the daily news about me chasing an Olympic dream. Like people thought I was training for the Olympics. They thought I had already made a team (laughs) and I didn't even make the tryout. (laughs) That was really hard. Um, and kind of embarrassing for me personally, even though nobody was really looking at it that way. And so, um, but yeah, so, so, but there was like this little bit of stubbornness and this little bit like glimmers of hope, these, these things that I had done well, I had run a four second PR. So now I was only four seconds away from where I wanted to be instead of eight. Um, so it was like just enough. It was just enough to keep going. And, um, and I, I knew I was stronger. I knew I was a, a better athlete. Um, and I was starting to slowly recognize that I was a smarter athlete. So mm. um, there was just still this feeling like there's a little bit more here. I kind of redefined, you know, I went from chasing an Olympic dream that I just had, you know, it's funny. I didn't grow up wanting to be an Olympian. Like, I find that the strangest thing. Like, I, my, my athletic goals were always well within the scope of what was around me. Sure. <laughs> and, so, um, and so I never, like, this was the first time I really had this, like, ambition um, but it wasn't backed up by anything, like no research, no understanding. Um, and so like this, now I had an understanding. So I c- kind of had shifted my my goals and what, what. Um, so now making, it wasn't making a team, it was like making the tryout, kind of respecting the step goals, I guess I had learned to do. So, um, and fortunately, like I had grown up with a very strong faith uh, background. My family, um, with very, very faithful, devout Catholics, um, mass, you know, every week. And sometimes, you know, daily mass was pretty regular thing for my parents. That, so they modeled that for me. And so, you know, I would occasionally have, you know, t- periods of time in college and after college where I would go to daily mass if I felt like I needed a little more, um, stayed close to the sacrament. So like I always, even if I wasn't able to identify it, um, you know, those graces were at work, <laughs> you know, sure. like God was keeping me close. And so I can look back and say, um, that there was kind of this endurance piece that was pretty far beyond um, just sport. You know, I feel like there was just this this understanding and belief that get, that God had encouraged this move because it didn't mm. it defied logic. Like I didn't <laughs> I didn't have the time that should suggest um, taking this step. And thankfully, I was just ignorant enough about what the next step was to to take that to make that leap. So um, so faith was a big big important piece of that too, and that I was 
without even realizing it, pretty grounded in in parts of my identity. Although I'm sure we'll touch on that later, that that can get challenged um, sure. and we can drift away from it. But I feel like my anchor was there. The Lord kept me very close. So yeah. anyway, I decided to stay with it because he had me there. And I really, I believed in that. I believed there was something deeper in that desire to move more than just kind of trying to make, you know, a team or be a professional athlete. Mm. That's awesome. Yeah. And I love how you keep using this word barriers. You know, it's, you talked about how your, your high school coach would just, would set a barrier right in front of you, like a goal Mm -hmm. to meet, you know, it's like a small goal. Obviously your, your big long-term goal was, you know, qualifying for the Olympics or, or the trials or, or, you know, progressing, but you know, and I think especially with a, with a timed sport, you know, there is a real beauty to having these, these little goals along the way. Yeah. How have you found, um, that has related to your spiritual life? You know, it's, it's quoted, I'm not sure who says it, but it says, um, yeah, if you're not, if you're not moving forwards, like if you're just stagnant in your faith, you're actually moving backwards. Um, I think some saint said that I should, I should look it up, but sounds like St. Teresa, but maybe not. Yeah. Love Avila maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like something (laughs) kind of like blunt that she would say, I'll look it up. Um, (laughs) but you know, as you've, as you've kind of been able to just reflect on, you know, obviously your athletic career, um, how, how did that set you up or how has that applied, you know, maybe to, to your faith life and and how you're living out your faith now? Sure. I, uh, You know, I I love being able to look at the sport from the coaching perspective, and that's really prompted me to look at it from a spiritual perspective, too. It's like having this outside view of what I did. It was like I didn't need to really be thinking on this bigger level and and applying these truths. I was learning them and experiencing them and immersed Mm. in them, you know, and now I can look back on it and, and really appreciate how sport really taught me this this principle of progression, which I think applies to the spiritual life in a very, in a very real way. Cause progression, it kind of requires you. So there's like this specific progression of like with track, it's easy, you know, in terms of times, like two second drops, five, like just improvement in your times, but you don't always have that. Like there's, everybody's got that plateau period. You know, I had two years where I ran the same 1500 meter time. Um, but, but so then it kind of forced me to, to identify different markers of progression and, mm-hmm. and then identify different areas uh, where there was growth and improvement and really just kind of um, stand in that confidence that I was still getting better and I was still moving in the direction um, towards, you know, my goals, even if it wasn't showing up in times. And it's kind of the same thing with the spiritual life. It's like, I feel like, and, you know, as I've dove deeper into my prayer life, even just this, this past year, it's like, it's like quick improvement at first, right? All of a sudden you're like, man, this is awesome. Like, I'm just soaking it all in. Like every opportunity I can, like I'm in adoration, I'm going to mass, couple times a week, then a couple more times a week, then daily. It's like, bam, 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 bam. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, how many more things can you add in? You can't, mm-hmm. you almost just have to, you have to then like sit and it's, it's gotta be a deeper improvement. You know, it's gotta be like sure. a deeper progression. And so it's like, it challenges you to look, okay, so now I don't feel like I'm able to do anything to move mm-hmm. my progression forward. So, so what does this progression look like? Like, how is this growth happening? Like, where's the Lord working in my life deeper? Cause He's got to be, you know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. I'm committed, I'm committed to this and I'm committed to this relationship and building it. Um, and so, so it's kind of like, I saw it in sport. I lived it in sport and I learned how to identify those other markers of progression that weren't just times. Um, and it kind of applies 
to the to the spiritual life in that sense too <laughs> oh absolutely no it's i'm like nodding my head yes 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 well you're so right because the spiritual life is full of what we call consolation and desolation right mm-hmm. times where we just feel like we are riding a wave of grace you know it's like yeah. the lord is clear <laughs> we want to go to mass we want to pray um and that's you know when you really encounter the lord there's definitely kind of that honeymoon period um and then you just realize at some point like how broken you are you know and <laughs> yeah. and i think or, or the lord in his wisdom will kind of pull back um not that he's not present but maybe takes the feeling out of it yeah. because we know and we know this as athletes too like we don't if we just based what we did off of a feeling then i mean none of oh, us would compete we wouldn't get anywhere <laughs> no if like we just base it off of you know does this feel good you know as your legs are cramping and you want to just pass out or throw up like we would never you know never progress but there's this yeah. this greater goal and this trust in the process and um yeah an element i know in my case of stubbornness which sounds like <laughs> it's your case too you know um but the same is true with the spiritual life i mean faith is a choice love is a choice and yeah. God, you know, in his wisdom sometimes will, will remove the feeling so that we yeah. have to choose it, you know, it, yeah. because if it's just based off of a feeling, then is that really love? Is that really um, a commitment? And he knows, like, because I'll be in desolation for a while and like throwing a tantrum and, you know, he'll reveal <laughs> himself to me in, in certain ways yeah. and, and yeah. keep me going. But yeah, I'm just, yeah, I'm marveling in the in the parallels that exist as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that you brought up consolation and desolation. Cause I didn't understand those two concepts. Like I didn't know what they were until this past year. Uh, I just turned 30. So I'm just like wondering where the heck I've been. <laughs> so I'm 32. Long. It's great. It's a good year. Um, you know, and, and I, and it's like one, so, you know, I grew up Catholic, so there's so much beauty in that. But then I realized I was not challenged to like experience, or more and I guess that's a parallel to the to sport too because I was very comfortable in college and I was like improving 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 but like after it was like I was exposed to so much more after college um and so anyway but for our listeners um to to look up the YouTube videos by uh Father Timothy Gallagher on the 14 rules of discernment um because it really kind of spells out constellation and desolation and those experiences so once you can even just identify that um, as desolation and not something that you're doing wrong, um, but just an experience of the spiritual life, it allows you to, to kind of persevere through that, through that challenge and to rest in God's, God's grace and, and his um, faithfulness through that experience that it doesn't have to feel good. I mean, I tell my runners all the time, like, we're not in the business of feeling good. And, uh, you know, overall, we sh- you should be happy and this should be leading you in a good direction. But that doesn't mean that every day you're going to be happy and you're going to feel great. And, uh, and, but anyway, so just knowing kind of some, some kind of theology, I guess, or, or I don't know, like when a saint's talking on, on these very real experiences we're all feeling, it's like, gives Mm -hmm. you a little more confidence that, okay, like you can't be totally bad. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So that's just a helpful, that was a help, really helpful resource for me to be able to trust, to move forward in in the prayer life and not be discouraged by periods of desolation. So Mm -hmm. anyway. Yeah. Or those, yeah, those plateaus and. Yeah, it's but it's 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 beautiful because the spiritual life is like infinitely deep. Right. Mm. So it's yeah, you know, and and sometimes, you know, it's the same with training. Like, 
you know, maybe you're, you're doing one type of training and it's working and you're progressing and then you plateau and then Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, you know, maybe my, my running training is on point, but now I need to focus on my nutrition or I need to focus on my sleep or I need to focus on my recovery. Um, when you get to that peak, you know, form, um, as an athlete, it's like little adjustments Yeah, that, that, you know, I guess transition or translate, excuse me, into, into gains, you know? And, and I think too, with the spiritual life, it's like when we're walking with the Lord, we know the Lord, you know, I I think sometimes we can get comfortable or, or things are are okay. But again, we always want to be progressing forward and learning new types of prayer and entering into deeper intimacy with him and and learning about the faith um, in new ways. And so, you know, if, if one thing's not working, maybe it's, it's time to, and this is why, you know, having a spiritual director, which is like a coach essentially is, is really helpful yeah. to kind of guide your spiritual life. Um, yeah. but, but yeah, there's just, there's just so much parallel there. And I find too, with athletes that I've worked with, and I know this isn't is true in my life and I would guess in your life too, Carrie, is that, um, it's almost easy, not easy. Maybe that's the wrong word we're kind of set up as athletes to have a, a, a rich spiritual life. I think one, because I think we're, we're used to, um, kind of this, I don't know, visualization in sport, you know, and, and, and making a plan and, um, that kind of transitions really nicely into, into a spiritual life and into making spiritual goals and into sticking to them. Like, yeah, you know, my biggest advice, and this would be advice for listeners, um, if you don't have a consistent prayer life, just start with 10 minutes a day at the same time every day. Like when I started praying consistently, it was like, I just set my alarm 15 minutes earlier in the morning. And the first thing I did was, was pray for the first 15 minutes of the day, you know, and and that alone will radically change, you know, and now it's like, you know, it's like, I need an hour, you know, and that's, you just don't, you just, I mean, I don't get that in every day, but you just like, I just need it. Like you don't want to see me if I don't notice how you said you need it. And it's not just something that you're like trying to fit in or trying to do. Like it changes that, that mindset does shift. Yeah. Not always. It doesn't always feel like that again. Sometimes in desolation, I'm like dragging myself or, you know, checking my watch every five minutes, but, but, but that's when I need it most, you know, that's, that's definitely when I need it most, but yeah. Yeah. I found that progression. No athletes. Yeah. Just like you said, athletes are, um, kind of predisposed to, to the spiritual life and, and going deeper into it. And, um, just even this idea of chasing something, um, a little bit abstract, uh, cause I know it's, it's like goals and times and, and maybe like certain competitions depending on what sport you're in. But at the same time, it's a little bit abstract. It's like you versus yourself and how far can you don't know you don't know what your limit is you never could unless you unless you try so it's like this t- total commitment um with no guarantee of a certain outcome and so I feel like that's almost like the spiritual life except that you are kind of guaranteed an outcome <laughs> you know like because the Lord is faithful <laughs> he yeah. always is but you just don't know what it's gonna look like so I think that's kind of mm. what I mean by like you don't know but this willingness to commit your whole self to something um, not knowing what it's going to do, but knowing that that pursuit is worthwhile. Um, or at least you learn, maybe you learn that, I guess, but the two are just so closely, so closely, um, I don't know, together. Yeah. And not knowing too, like I'm thinking about your, if you, for lack of a better word, kind of naivety, 
mm, becoming becoming a, a professional. And that was like starting this nonprofit. Like God mm-hmm. asked me to do it. And I was like, sure, I'll start a nonprofit. No idea. No <laughs> idea about starting a board or filing with the government or, you know, like all of these things. But but God yeah. knew that if I knew all of that, then I probably wouldn't have said yes. Yeah. You know, and I think about my spiritual life. And I mean, it's been the greatest adventure and brought me all over the world and so much joy. But I also look at the deep suffering that's, you know, not that it's been caused by God, but to fight for my faith. Um, there's been levels of suffering and, and definitely sacrifice and sure. Um, things like that. But again, it's, I mean, you, I'm sure you can look back at your running career and say, oh my gosh, every, you know, every mile on the track was worth it. Um, and you know, I can say in regards to, you know, my soccer career and, um, definitely my faith life, like it's all worth it. And when we get to heaven, like that is our ultimate goal, you know, alluded to an ultimate goal. Ultimate goal is heaven. It's like, oh, we'll look back and it'll all seem like pocket change. Like it's not, all so worth it for the bliss that awaits us you know yeah well we can we can also rest in the assurance that god doesn't waste anything so he'll use every part of our experience you know and so we all we're gonna fall so like sports we've been talking about how good sport is and how good you know how parallels the spiritual life in so many beautiful and and good ways but also like it can be an open door to, to some pretty bad habits or behaviors or yeah, let's talk about that. Um, yeah. Like mis, mis, misunderstanding of, of who we are. Mm. And so, um, but even in those, cause that's like when I feel like you might, well, I don't know. I can only speak for myself, I guess, but you can start to despair. Like, Oh man, like this is not who, um, this is not, you start to tie up your worth in, in all sorts of different things. And, um, and then, and, and you can kind of recognize that that's not right, but you're already like so deep. And then that's like, the, then the lies of the devil, he, they, he just comes right in and he just, he'll, he'll start doing like working his stuff and just kind of lead you further and further away and say, yeah, you are no good. Like, and especially in that period of time where I wasn't running as well as, um, as a lot of the women I was trying to compete against, it was like, you have no business being here. Like, who are you to do this? You made this big move. Everybody thinks you're so great. And that you're going to do these great things, and it's all—it's all a sham. You—you you made them believe that you were so great that you could like chase this big dream, this big dream, and now you're going to be exposed. And uh, and that fear can be so real. And like in some ways, like parts of our sport can almost lead you into that. But it's mm-hmm. like the deeper truths that we learn in our sport can also help us come out of that. And so, um, I think that one of the biggest things that, that I've learned is like recognizing that, and then like. And speak like speaking about it like mm-hmm. telling telling somebody how you, how you're feeling or um and like if hopefully you're fortunate to have like a good coach that you have a good relationship and they and they kind of know you the person too so that even like so many times my coach heard and it wasn't like on a deep spiritual level but it was like he heard this like misunderstanding or, or I even made a comment about a woman that was on the line that looked way better um like more in shape than me like and, and I already knew on the line I was going to get beat. And he, like, challenged it right off the bat. He's like, then why did you even start the race if you're going to be thinking like that? And he's like, mm. you challenged that right away. Like, you're on that line. You deserve to be, to be there just because you're on that line. It has nothing to do with any of the women that are around you. And, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> no, that I mean, you're hitting something that's huge, just negative self-talk. I mean, it's it plagues us as, as a society, as women, um, as athletes. Um 
And, and again, like, I think we're so fearful at times. I think there's such a lack of vulnerability within athletics, a mm. proper vulnerability. You know, we don't yeah. want to be exposing everything to people, but <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like, I'm sure every other runner you're running with had a similar thought progression, you know? Yeah. And, sure. you know, it's like the devil and his lies and these negative things love to hide in the shadows. And there's so much power and relief. I mean, just personal relief, but then also on a spiritual level, like of bringing these things to light and speaking them, um, yeah. even confessing them, um, getting the grace of the sacrament of confession, um, yeah. renouncing them in the name of Jesus. Like I renounce, I'm huge on this in the name of Jesus Christ. I renounce the lie that I shouldn't be here. You know, like just those things Um, and then combating it with, I have like a statement. So it's like my statement is I am enough, you know? And and so when those thoughts enter my mind in whatever context um, where I want to quit or I want to beat myself up or I want to believe these lies that aren't true about my identity, I'll just say I am enough and I'll repeat it. I am enough. Like, you know, and yeah, it's just something that I found is is super helpful and it, it roots me in, okay, no, my, my identity is not in what I do or don't do. It's not in a, it's not in a time. It's not in a, you know, whatever, a, a standard I've set. Mm-hmm. It's in the fact that I'm a daughter of God and that's yeah. it. That's it. Yeah. And I don't think, you know, it's funny. We're asking of ourselves perfection in, in a lot of ways. Like we're demanding perfection of ourselves, but I don't think God's asking for that. I think he's asking for us to, to just seek him, you know, mm. and ultimately, I get, you know, once you're a saint, you're perfect. <laughs> <laughs> sure. um, you know, I guess in some ways you're working towards that, but not really. Like he's not asking you to be perfect right now. He's asking you to seek him and allow him to transform those areas where you would have fallen short. So it's like if we could just go a little bit easier on ourselves in those times where we fall short and say, and say, Lord, like, come and see, <laughs> I'm going to take away the stone so, so the raising of Lazarus has been really fruitful for me, praying with that scripture. <laughs> but like, it struck me that he, he had them take away the stone. Like he didn't, he didn't get, like they had to let him in um, and, and show him. He knew where Lazarus was, but come show me your wounds. Come show me where you're struggling and take away the stone and let me in. And I'm going to resurrect that. I'm going to, I'm going to transform mm. that in your life. So it's like, he can use everything. So just surrendering it all to him and not demanding perfection of ourselves. And we're going to fall. That's just a fact. Just like in sport, you're going to have a bad race. Like that's just <laughs> fact. <laughs> it's going to happen. So, um, what are you going to do with that? What are you going to allow the Lord to do with that? Sometimes with that specific race, you know, or game, or, you know, I don't want to speak specifically to just the sport I participated in, but, um, what, are, what are you going to allow him to do with that challenge, whether it's spiritual or, or like a literal challenge you're facing right now in your sport and just allowing that to be part of your story. Cause I bet everybody, like, I, I'm sure you've got great stories. Like think of your best, your, your, your like proudest achievement in sport, um, right now. And, and like, what would you attribute that to? Like, um, for me making that world team, uh, all of, I had a, a lot of bad races that year leading up to it, which is kind of funny. Cause once you make a team, everybody's like, Oh man, you had the perfect season. I'm like, no, you haven't, you didn't even know my name before this. Like, <laughs> you're not following my season. You would not call this the perfect season. I got lapped in an indoor race in front of all my family. <laughs> true story that same indoor season but I learned so many things literally Mm -hmm. about how to race um in each one of those races that led me to this this one opportunity and that was what 
I needed. And all those bad races and all those um, bad circumstances are what I needed. So it's like, even in life, what one of the most challenging personal experiences I've ever had uh, was this fall. And it, it propelled me into this need um, to go deeper into the spiritual life and just to, and, and just this need for Jesus. Like for the first time ever in my life, I was bottomed out and just needed him. I had no response other than to go to him in the blessed sacrament and adoration or just in a church and say, I'm here. I don't know what to make of this. Help me. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it was like, I need, and so I wouldn't even change, like exchange that experience for anything because the Lord will use all of it. So it's like, mm-hmm. we don't have to be afraid of failure. It's, it's, it can be a beautiful thing if we allow it. We just have to surrender it. And uh, that's hard for us to do because as athletes, we just want to be great. And that's, you know, we think we're striving for the perfect game, for the perfect race. Uh, but really, we're just we're preparing for the opportunity when it presents itself. And what that's going to look like is different for every single individual, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> and trusting that's God's will. Now, we had kind of talked previous and you had mentioned something was different when you raced at Worlds. Um, can you just describe that? Maybe the peace or the surrender or um, yeah, what what kind of happened um, from a confidence standpoint in the transition yeah. between, okay, getting lapped and then, you know, going to worlds and, and yeah. performing. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, so 2015 is when I made the world team. And, uh, like I said, I graduated college in 2011. So I would say basically for that, those first three and a half years, um, I was just, trying to justify my move you know like I needed the result to prove that me going down to DC to train with this group was worthwhile that I deserved to be there like I needed the results so even when I was PRing um and and improving in different areas um it was it was not ever really enough um and so it was like but but ever but those but they're better than me like really like is it worth doing this unless I'm at the top top level And it was that year, um, for whatever reason, I can't like point to a specific any like race or workout or anything other than like I finally came to this realization and and maybe I was just tired. Maybe I was just worn out from the exhaustion of expecting like such a um, such an empty like justification. Sure. Um, And so I finally had this freedom. I was like, wait a minute. Like I spend so much time and money. Like I was very amateur when I first started. So like when I said pursuing a professional career, being very loose, like for, for a while I was, it was a very expensive hobby. And then like there was a period of time (laughs) when I was breaking even. And then like, it was at the end of my career that I actually was able to, to have a contract and, and um, you know, support myself. But that was like the very, that was like the smallest percentage of my career. Um, so I, so I had spent, I guess, enough time, enough money, enough resources, enough energy, um, just like, just, just feeding into this lie that I didn't deserve to be there. And I finally was like, wait a minute, we all qualified for this same race. I'm on this line. So that girl might be 10 seconds faster than me. And that's, (laughs) that's like fact. I had girls I was competing against that were 10 seconds faster than me. Um, women I was competing against. Uh And, um, but I finally was like, but I'm on this line just by being in the race that's that's enough so there's no reason why I can't go for this win or go or compete against them like they're not better than me and I had seen enough like I was starting to recognize you had mentioned earlier like other women probably had these same thoughts that I had well they did and I was hearing it in little ways um you know people talking about sinus infections they had had the week before which is really just kind of 
building in that excuse because they were afraid to be vulnerable. They were afraid sure. to put themselves out there and fail. And fortunately, I had put myself out there and failed enough times that I was like, I've survived all of them. <laughs> Can you imagine, like, what is the worst thing that could happen? And then, the, you know, the worst thing could happen. I got lapped at the Milrose Games, one of the biggest indoor races um, in the country, in front of all my family in New York City. I got lapped in the 3K, and uh, I survived. I woke up the next day and I went for a run, you know, like a long run, probably a longer run than I would have because my coach was like, okay, we got to keep going, um, you know, but it was, uh, but it was just like this freedom, like, wait a minute. And so then it was like, wait, that freedom also allowed me to realize I met some of the best people I've ever met through this sport mm. and I'm learning things. I'm a different person. I like, it gave me that freedom to just like self-reflect and be like, I'm a different person. I'm, I'm a, I'm a different person, better, better or worse. Who knows what I would, what I would have looked like when I, if I was at Morgan Stanley or in corporate, you know, like it doesn't matter, but I'm a different person because of this experience. And that's what this whole thing was about. Great. So then I kept racing and it was like that freedom. I didn't have to prove anything to anybody. So in that particular race where I finished third to make the team, um, like I swung wide with 500 to go and took the lead from an, uh, a world gold medalist, Olympic bronze. Well, she would end up being an Olympic bronze medalist, uh, former American record holder in the steeplechase. Like, like big name. Like I just went for it because I was like, mm. who cares? Yeah. <laughs> like I have total freedom to do this because what's the worst thing that's going to happen? And it, cause it was, cause it was worth it. I knew that the whole thing was going to be worth it because, cause God had me there. And it was like this, I was, I was starting to let him in, I think was really what was happening. Sure. Um, and so, yeah, so that freedom from needing to justify almost my, it's like I was justifying my existence in that world mm. by results. That's not, you know, that's not true, but that's no. a very sneaky lie that looks, it can, it can look really true. So, yeah. Sure. Anyway. Um, that's awesome. That's, <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's just amazing. There's just, and that, that paralleled your success I hold that term loosely, you know, like, but yeah, your, your goals, but it was once you kind of let go mm-hmm. and just had the freedom to run and enjoy it and, you know, trust. Yeah. Trust that this is where God wanted you essentially and be grateful. Like there's just this sense of gratitude yeah. in your voice. Like, wow, look at all that I've learned from this experience. Like, I'm just grateful to be here and you know grateful for this gift of sport because sport is a gift and when we can hold it a little bit looser it's almost like you know I I know this is I think I was a track athlete in high school I was actually like a seven-time state champ so um so you probably should I was actually more highly recruited for track than I was soccer in college but soccer was my love and um anyway it's I don't know there I was looking at some schools actually to do both but God, God wanted me where, where I ended up, but you know, it's like when you run a race, you want to be relaxed, you know, it's like, you want to, it's like, if you tense up, um, you're not going to run as well. And so it's like, once you almost on an internal, emotional, even spiritual level, just like had this grace to relax and enjoy, like, look just how it transitioned or translated into yeah. Meeting your goals. And if you had, if you hadn't gotten there, you know, would it have been, I mean, yes, it's exciting and incredible and God ultimately like absolutely delighted and wanted you to, to reach your goals and, and have the career you had. Um, but if you hadn't, he wouldn't love you any less, you know, but he absolutely delighted in watching you 
you know, swing wide and, and, and run past <laughs> that girl, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. And I think, you know, as you're speaking, I think a fear that athletes might have is that that gratitude and that um, kind of surrendering a little bit will be at the cost of intensity mm. or, or like competitiveness and not, not at all. Um, not yeah. at all. In fact, I think it gives you the freedom to like really kind of refine your focus and to use your talents and the tools that you've been building, you know, like that's all training is. It's like, you're, you're basically like building a tool belt to use whatever tool you need in the, in the situation that you find yourself in. You know, it's like, you could never know what the race is going to look like until you're in it. So you just have all these preparations. So it's like just that. And I love that because you're right. Any track athletes will know it's like this, this, if you're running with clenched fists your whole body's tense and you're working against yourself. And if you just have, I think it's like holding a, an egg or a baby bird is like what's recommended. <laughs> your like hands to be like, you also don't want them like too rigidly open. Sure. Because that's also rigid. <laughs> um, but just this freedom, this looseness. And, and it's, yeah, I didn't find in my experience that it, it didn't compromise my intensity at all. My focus didn't change at all, but the perspective, like the way I was able to use it, um, was completely different and freer and just better <laughs> you know mm -hmm. it, was, it was just more true to to my gifts it wasn't yeah. something I was trying to impose but something that I just let freely kind of happen so like there's no there's no um risk in in surrendering you know it's not like you're going to be complacent at all it doesn't those two things don't have to happen um mm. yeah it's true with the spiritual life as well <laughs> it's almost like the 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 more you surrender the more progress you make, which is kind of counterintuitive, but it's, I mean, our faith is full of things like that, oxymorons yeah. and. Yeah, my coach would say like, the only thing you're guilty of is trying too hard. And you're like, what? Oh, Wait. but actually, yeah. Yeah, huh. Yeah, I just got in my own way, didn't I? Cause I was trying too hard. Mm. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> I know. That's awesome. It just, the amount of times you had to say that to me is pretty good. <laughs> too funny okay well carrie we um end our podcasts uh with a challenge you know as athletes we love a good challenge so uh we usually offer both a physical and a spiritual challenge because we talk a lot about the body soul connection um given kind of our conversation and and everything we've talked about do you have a suggested challenge for us in the week ahead yeah yeah i would say um you know, the, the part about our conversation where we talked about kind of failure and, or, or weakness or, um, you know, those areas where we can kind of let the Lord in and, and let him resurrect and transform, um, it would probably be a good phys physical and spiritual exercise to um, kind of identify a failure or weakness or a wound. Um, perceived failure is a better, <laughs> better phrase because <clears throat> I don't really believe too much in failure just straight up. Sure. Um, but a perceived failure, whether it's something you've held on to, maybe it's a game from last season, you know, that you just really haven't been able to let go of, um, or it's a bad workout you had this week or whatever it is, but just a, 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 a perceived failure or weakness that, that you, um, would want to offer, offer to the Lord. I would, I would, I would say that would be a good exercise. Just, just offer it, um, let the Lord in and see what he wants to do with that. See, ask him where he was in it and uh and and give him total freedom to transform it however he wants in your story um and the same thing for the spiritual you know where are you failing or you, do you feel that you're failing in your spiritual life and your prayer life 
and and offer that to the Lord and and ask for His coaching. <laughs> Let Him in. Sure. Like, coach, <laughs> Big C. Yep. <laughs> what uh, what you know? I, this is where I'm struggling here. This is where I feel like I'm not making progress. Um, what can I do? And uh, just kind of whether you offer that up in a workout or um, taking a walk or taking some time outside of nature or in front of the Blessed Sacrament, wherever you want to take those wounds or failures and offer them up. I think spending time there, not pressuring under the rug would be a great challenge for our listeners. Absolutely. And ultimately, that's only going to lead to, yeah, deeper healing, more forward progress, um, a deeper knowledge of self and, and ultimately a deeper knowledge of the Lord, which is our ultimate goal, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think because I just did a whole lot of talking around the challenge, identify a failure, <laughs> face it, and offer it to the Lord. <laughs> I love it, and I'll I'll make sure to put those three steps in our show notes. Um, I love it. Well, Carrie, this has been an awesome conversation. I mean, we've talked about yeah, just so many things, and it flows so naturally. Um, everything from barriers to progression to failure to to surrender, the ultimate surrender to the Lord. So. Thank you so much for just spending the time with me and um, for all that you do. And um, yeah, we wish you luck with your with your upcoming season. And who knows? Maybe we'll have you back. I feel like there's so many more things that we could talk about. Um, It's been it's been awesome. This has been a lot of fun. I really am so grateful to you for having me on. And um, it's been just a real, real blessing. So Thank you. Absolutely. All right. Thanks, everybody. Please. Feel free to uh, like our podcast, leave us a comment or a review. Um, we'd love to continue to, to talk about the things you want to hear hear about and continue to share the stories of incredible faithful athletes. Um, with you. So God bless you. We're praying for you. Play fierce. Pray fierce. Live fierce.